Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And we're coming to you today, I think for the first time from Galen Catholic School. First time in here Outcast Catholic history. Yeah, because, Father Shane, you've been here all day long. Yeah. Just kind of finishing up your duties as a vocation director. Today huh? is the last day of my you know, school visits throughout the Diocese of Sioux tours. City. My wow. tours, if you will. And we get edited together in this slightly stuffy school it's only 95 degrees outside <laughs> blowing a lot of hot air and it's a stuffy building but that's all right so we're going to be in here blowing a lot of hot air <laughs> like that one oh People, huh? so good so, so good we have this large um hard cased uh suitcase like contraption that carries all of our recording equipment it does indeed so i just wheeled it through the school um Filled with children. Uh, the, the case was not filled with children, but rather the school. <laughs> yes. Having been filled with children uh, during the school day, the kids all saw me carrying around this large black case. Oh. So, of course, elementary students want to know what's inside. Of course. So I allowed them to guess. Um, there was a lot of guesses surrounding my last name, Karate, that sounds a lot like karate. So one, one girl said, a ninja. No, I don't have a ninja inside of this case. My pet ninja? Like, a, <laughs> like he's just... <laughs> Just, I guess, kind of balled up inside of this case. We carry him around and pull him out for when we need him for oh. defense. I don't know. Not that. So I explained that it was podcast recording equipment, and they all got confused. Look, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> one girl just said, my mom listens to your podcast. So <laughs> shout out to that mom, whoever you are, who listens to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I thought you were going to tell me that they assumed that was a suitcase and that you were leaving the community today. Well, okay, no. I think a couple kids did. They're like, oh. are you leaving us now? Yeah, I was like, Today, no, today's not guys, your last day. no, no. I think that's the idea. Mm-hmm. so like, sad. As if I just oh. live at the school and I was. Father Travis is leaving us today. It is. It is sad. The kids, um, they made so the the CLT like, Christian leadership team, if you will, mm-hmm. led a group um, who helped make a little farewell video for me, and they surprised me yesterday by inviting me to what I thought was going to be Father's second annual film festival. They got you good. They got me real good. And it was, but it was, it was, it was very sweet. Um, had a little, yeah, a little. And the whole school came. The whole school was there because I thought it was going to be this film festival and they, they, I was, it was your farewell. Hoodwinked. If you were you hoodwinked. Huh? I was, yeah. Wow. Those tricksy kids. Those, those tricksters. You sneaky mom. Have you ever seen that video before? No. Oh, I'll tell you about it later. Is that it's, a TikTok video? It's, nope. It's a, it's a Jimmy Kimmel video from when they asked parents to tell their kids that they had eaten all of their halloween candy and oh, to get the sure. reaction and there's sure. these two boys from staten island who it's the funniest thing ever and then at the end he's like you sneaky mom <laughs> so the kids and mrs shipper were being quite sneaky like that i gotcha yeah how were classes today you were talking all the classes, classes were good um you know as you will find out soon to be vocation director when you yes. do these tours of other schools uh, you don't get a break, and you go all day, and you're kind of the guest presenter, so you go six or seven straight periods straight through. Uh, there was a young man outside looking very confused through this window. Does he need inside? Hi, we're just recording right now. Don't mind us. No, I think he's just interested because we're wearing headphones. <laughs> we have and, all of these cords and yeah. headphones and stuff. No, the, the classroom visits went well today. 
started out a little slow, mm-hmm. eight in the morning. Dragging a little bit. When there's only like nine days left of the school year, they're a yeah. little, a little squirrely. Uh, checked out, if you will. Checked out mentally, yeah. Um, but no, it actually went well. We had good discussions. Um, it's good to be with the Jays of Lamar's Galen. That's right. Yes. Sadly, I won't be here much longer because... You're going to keep coming back and visiting. I will. As the I vocation will. director. You're going to be fine. <laughs> You're going to get their karate time in. They will. You get their karate time. That's right. You know, Father Shane, I've been thinking about... What just, have you been thinking about, Father? Well, <laughs> that's what I'm going to tell you. So okay. <laughs> stay tuned, <laughs> Keep folks. your seatbelt on. Here we go. Um, I received a gif the other day from uh, a friend with just seatbelt buckling. Father oh. Taylor was at the IPF spiritual direction training, and he, he sent something about the IPF thing, and he said it just sent a gif buckling seatbelts, which was kind of exciting. So buckle your seatbelts, if you will. Okay. Thank okay, you. Great. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about thought. our podcast from last year. Um, not to take a vacation from the vocation of being called to be Christians, right? Mm-hmm. Especially Sunday Mass. And coming out of this COVID season, it's still been a reality that I think there's a lot of families out there who struggle to attend Mass every Sunday. That's no surprise to every priest um, that we know. Mm-hmm. It's no surprise, I think, to every faithful parishioner, right? I think everybody knows someone. Everybody probably knows some family members who do not come to daily mass, right? Sorry, definitely not daily mass. Who don't come to weekly mass on Sunday, right? And the encouragement last year was really to to lean in and even while on vacation, perhaps to check out a new church, right? To make that commitment to make God our priority first, even if you're traveling on a Sunday. But I'm thinking more and more about that and how if mass just remains at this kind of obligation level, it's this obligatory. 45 minutes to an hour that we have to fulfill every week. And it's not a place of prayer. It's not a place of encounter with God. As if encounter with God happens somewhere else. And Mass is just this kind of obligation. Almost like coming to school, right? Like kids. <laughs> as The, the bells are still off. ringing here. Okay, keep go. going. Well, that's nice. Okay. Um, I'm glad everybody. It's just like authentic. You know, they know we're here. It just, is. You know, we're, this is real time. In the school. That's right. That was the last bell. So okay. nothing else is going to happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it's kind of this just dry obligation that happens mm-hmm. sometimes when, it, when, um, when people look at the obligation to attend Sunday Mass. But if it was a place where people really encountered God and where they could experience the peace, the quiet, um, the contemplation that comes with parts of the Mass, but also the community, the... Um, the intercession, the adoration that happens, um, and the intimacy, the deep intimacy that happens coming together as members of the body of Christ and then receiving the body of Christ in Holy Communion. If it could actually become a place of communion with God, we would be eager to go. And even even though we'd be tempted, right, to be selfish with our time, we would be eager to, um, to seek that out, that place. Mm-hmm. But I think for so many people, right? It can be a temptation. I know for myself sometimes too, to allow mass to just become this obligation, something to do, something to get done, something to sit through, not a place of encounter with God. Any thoughts? Yeah. I, there's a several thoughts that come to mind. Um, Cardinal George, I, I once saw a YouTube video of the, de- the deceased Archbishop of Chicago. Cardinal George was at a parish brunch like one Sunday and he was just doing a Q and a, like the whole parish was just like, going through the buffet line, sitting down with their families, having brunch. And he just stood up at a microphone and had a bucket of questions, and he just kept you know, rattling through all these questions. Mm. And I thought it was actually kind of an interesting use of time. 
letting people have their parish brunch, and then in the background, just kind of have the archbishop just like catechizing the whole time. Cool. But someone, someone raised the question about, you know, is it, should I still be going to Mass if I'm just like, you know, going for obligation purposes? And he said, yes. Um, there is a value in just going merely for obligation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that is the fulfillment of the Lord's command. Now, obviously, that's kind of like base-level, entry-level religious life, right? Bare minimum. Right. Bare minimum. And, and what you're obviously encouraging our listeners to do is strive for something higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even at the bare minimum, you know, I guess the phrase that I've been using in recent years is kind of like spiritual radiation, right? Like if you get too close to a nuclear plant and you don't have the right gear or the right protection, you're going to get like radiation, right? Yeah. That happens in a very positive way, I think, in the spiritual life. If you just place yourself in, a, in an environment where the scriptures are being proclaimed, where the consecration of the Eucharist is happening, I think there's spiritual radiation that comes and does affect the soul in a positive way. But obviously, I think you're looking at, well, yes, but is there a deeper encounter? Should we not just blindly expose ourselves to spiritual radiation in the hopes that it might do something to us long term? But is there a way that we're actually affecting and desiring a, a living relationship with our Lord? Mm-hmm. here and now. That's obviously what you're striving for, and I think that's correct. To say the Mass is a community experience of one united voice in this church building of praising God, and we're receiving something far greater than we're giving the Lord. We're actually being nurtured by Christ himself in the Eucharist. But it, it, it also has to encounter the personal level, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be a personal encounter with the Lord in which he's affecting you know, himself into me. Uh, there's a reality in which I am receiving my Lord and Savior, I'm encountering him, and I'm offering to him whatever's going on in my life. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the reason I want to encourage this is because if it's not encouraged, and if if Mass doesn't really become a place of interiority, if it doesn't become a place of prayer, then there's not just going to be some magical prayer life that develops in somebody's life. Um, If Mass doesn't become a place of prayer, the same thing that's happening is going to keep happening, Mm -hmm. right? And that's what we talk about so much of people leaving the church, right? I see this right now as, as another school year is wrapping up and we're sending off our seniors. If mass has remained for them their whole life, this place of possible radiation, right? Possible osmosis of the faith. Mm-hmm. I think that's how so many families hope it takes, right? I sent them to a Catholic school for 12 years, Father, and they left. Why did they leave? I, I did all the right things. I put them in the right place so that this radiation could just kind of happen. I put them in this Catholic school. I put them in this parish, right? I brought them to mass. We said our prayers. What's going on? Well, I think we just, a lot of us don't realize what's, what's on offer at mass and what's happening. And really like the, the beautiful teaching of the second Vatican council hasn't yet been like fully really revealed or opened up. And I'm, that's what I'm always hopeful for when I dug into stuff for the, uh, Liturgy of the Hours, when I wrote my thesis, um, it just revealed so much about what the the Council Fathers' vision of the liturgy would be, right? And I think what most people experience on a Sunday wasn't what the exciting liturgical reform was envisioning, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that type of feeling outcast within this liturgical experience because we've done it our whole life, but yet it still feels kind of maybe dry or it feels a little lifeless. Um, or the folks, not only young people who leave the faith, but the folks who might leave and go to an evangelical church because of that typical line, I'm not being fed, mm-hmm. right? Well, okay, we've talked about this before, but how can you be fed then in the midst of mass, right? 
Um, the hope is that like the culture that we're living, like the, the Catholic liturgical environment and culture can positively affect us. But I was just hoping we could kind of dig into, you know, what does, as the Second Vatican Council says in Sacra Sanctum Concilium, full conscious active participation in Mass, what does that actually mean? You know, because I think it's twofold. And how can Mass become a place of prayer, right? Because um, we know we have to be there every week. So if we have to be there every week, how can it actually become this place of um, interiority, not just where we sit, stand, kneel, sing some songs, and uh, wait to receive communion? I think it was back in 2019, Deacon Jim Keating, who was then at IPF, now at Kenrick Seminary, he was visiting this diocese and he spoke to all of our clergy, and he gave just one of the most profound clergy conferences I've ever been to. And, uh, you know, Deacon Keating has these wonderful, witty, with his Irish humor, ways of, um, of saying some very deep things in a spiritual life in very funny ways. But he also challenged us that day. One of the things that he challenged us to was uh, to take three minutes of silence after the homily and three minutes of silence after communion. And Bishop Nicholas, our ordinary, has been really working on trying to promote that. Um, to the point of announcing we are now going to have three minutes of silence after uh, communion to intentionally enter into some moments of contemplation, right? And, and this is kind of, you know, I think what you're, you're getting at. Is, is the Mass just constantly busy work? Is it just kind of noticing what's going on at the altar? What's going on at the ambo? What's going on up here? Or are there moments where one can carve out periods of silence for contemplative prayer, to meditate on what's going on in the sacrifice of the Mass, to let the words of the scriptures and the, the homily resonate within you. But then also, can one can come with, uh, with such a disposition to Mass that even in the group actions, in the group gestures, in the group songs, there is also the personal response of contemplation. So it's not just kind of, well, I create my own little intimate moment with Jesus over here apart from what's going on in the whole liturgy. No, even the liturgy itself is resonating with my heart in a contemplative fashion. I, I think that's kind of the deepest level of worship when every individual person is encountering the Lord on a personal level, but then the collective body of believers is also encountering the Lord on a community level. Both of those levels need to be speaking at all times as worship is unfolding. And if we check out of that, if we check out of that, we're not meeting the Lord in a personal way, or if the personal experience becomes so privatized that we've distanced ourselves from all the believers surrounding us, and the one united voice is not being united from earth to the one united voice of the angels and saints in heaven, then we're missing the layers that are possible in the act of worship. Yes. Yes to all of that. Um, the Sacro Sanctum Concilium of the Second Vatican Council says, full conscious active participation. And a lot of the documents leading up to that document, Mediator Dei by Pius XII, it says the same thing. This call for full conscious active participation at Mass. What does that mean? I think enough of us have heard the kind of buzzwords, okay, that doesn't mean that everybody needs to be an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, that everybody needs to be an usher, that everybody needs to, you know, when you have like 15 grade school kids all lined up for the petitions and they all individually right. step up to the ambo. But what does that mean? Well, uh, my pastor, Father Bruce, a couple, it was last summer when we had the big long reading from John 6, like throughout yep. the summer, he preached a series where he preached all the homilies for a few weeks in a row, all about liturgical participation. But he held up, and I think beautifully, the two kind of aspects of participation at Mass. There's the external 
and the internal, like the exterior, the interior participation. And he told me the other day, he said, liturgical reform will not be done in the church until people are actually singing, until the majority of people are singing. And there are moments where people close their eyes and interiorize what's going on. Hmm. Right? It's a beautiful image. What you often see, and this isn't calling anybody out, I just with mass where we face the people, we, we just, we see a lot of people. Right. And I, what I think is so funny is there's only one guy standing in the sanctuary looking out and everybody else is just looking toward the same direction. So no one thinks that they can be seen mm-hmm. because they're all facing the same direction. People do weird stuff in mass with their faces, like <laughs> big giant yawns and just oh, weird, yeah. just weird stuff. And it's funny cause they don't think anybody can see them cause they're just looking at the backs of heads. Right. But we're staring at all. Anyways, right. it's so funny. But what you do see, especially during the Eucharistic prayer or these moments where there is action happening in the sanctuary, but you don't really have a role. Like you're kneeling for a time during this Eucharistic prayer or you're listening during the homily or you're listening during the readings. There can just be kind of a disengagement, maybe a boredom, a distraction of just kind of looking around, right? A lack of singing, a lack of participating with the responses. But then also you see it, especially after people receive communion, everybody just kind of sits there, kneels there, and just kind of looks around, right? So we're, we're missing both this active participation of like really participating in the mass itself, what it has to offer, the responses, listening intently, responding, singing the Gloria, reciting the creed, whatever it might be within the context of the mass. But then in those silent moments, like you mentioned, or even in the midst of responding, actually interiorizing what you're saying or what's happening, I think the common parish experience is where it doesn't always happen. Where I've seen it happen in a beautiful way was when I was at conception with the monks, the Benedictine monks there, when they would chant the Psalms back and forth at, at the Liturgy of the Hours, morning prayer, evening prayer, daytime prayer. The way those choirs work is one side will chant, the other side will just kind of rest for the, the paragraph. What was beautiful about that is that you're given the space, even in this active participation of chanting the Psalms, you're given the space to think about what you've just prayed. One of the things I read for my, uh, for my thesis work was that the reason that developed in the monasteries of chanting back and forth is that someone is always contemplating in the midst of liturgy over what's being prayed about, right? Mm-hmm. And it fulfills uh, St. Paul's mandate to pray without ceasing in, in, in two different ways. All day long, throughout the whole world, people are praying these liturgy of the hours. But even in the midst of that, while one side is speaking something out loud, the other side is interiorizing that. Right. right. I saw that growth happen in myself in throughout seminary where, yeah, just like the routine of it, the, the sit standing and kneeling, it gets old after a while. We've been doing it every single day in seminary, but for it to be interiorized, um, it helped to actually make it my own encounter with the Lord in the midst of my brothers. Mm-hmm. But then it helped me like love those brothers, and not be annoyed with them as, as much. Cause I realized, wait, Lord, you want to do this with them as well. Right. That might be something that our listeners want to take to to their own personal prayer experience when they go to Mass. Because you could stop by a church, you can go to adoration and have your own encounter with Jesus one-on-one as he's there in the tabernacle or the monstrance. But how might you sit at Mass and pray to encounter the Lord in the midst of your brothers and sisters? And it's not just because, oh, this family over here has a screaming baby and that's going to actually distract me. Or this person over here appears on the outside to be more pious than me, and therefore I feel intimidated. No, 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 no. How do I actually encounter Jesus in the midst of the body of believers and and draw strength and draw unity from them in their presence and allow me through them to find Jesus more deeply 
and then allow my nurturement of Jesus in my own worship experience to bind me more deeply to these brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and to see us more together as one body of believers, one family in Christ, and not just a bunch of individuals who are here for their own little private encounter with Jesus. Yeah. I just wanted to finish by sharing an experience I had of this today at Mass. Um, it was unique. It doesn't happen all the time, but I had, I had watched somebody sent me a little video of, there's a there's a priest from Little Rock, Arkansas, who did like Ninja Warrior. I don't know if you've seen this guy before. Yeah, I have, yeah. So I think Word on Fire is going to do like a little series. Expose? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, he's like a revved up guy, and I just watched this 30-second little trailer. Somebody emailed me, one of the teachers today. And in it, he's revved up, and he's just like, I'm in love with Jesus Christ, and I just want to serve him as best I can. Well, even in the midst of daily mass, I just had these these little like thoughts, maybe from myself, maybe from the enemy, we're just like, oh, like I'm not, I don't, do I love Jesus like that guy does? Do I actually have that like interior life that, and as I'm celebrating mass as the priest, those thoughts are coming and I'm really grateful and, and praise God is able to recognize those because I was able to like kind of start rejecting them mm-hmm. and to start like really praying. And even as I'm praying these words of the mass, allowing them to become my own and allowing them to kind of relate what was just going on in my heart to the Lord in the midst of mass. And a beautiful grace that came was right as I was receiving the chalice with this interior desire for a deeper faith and a deeper commitment to the Lord, the antiphon that was read, the communion antiphon, was, Behold, I'll be, I am with you always, to, even to the end of the age. That, that was just such a consoling grace directly into that space that I needed it. And that could only happen because the Lord gave me that kind of space of contemplation within Mass. Mm. So I think God is so eager to give himself to us, especially in the Mass, especially through the Eucharist, but through the words, the prayers, through the readings. Um, But if we have a heart that's ready and open to contemplate his presence, I think that's where we can really receive so much from him. Yeah. Amen. Well stated. Good to be with you to kind of talk about these contemplative aspects of, of worship and prayer, and hopefully that helps some of our listeners as well. Thanks, Father Travis. You're welcome. And everybody, try to pray at Mass this weekend, and tune in soon. Adios. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.